Coming to you from the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado, it's the Savage Cast, a Savage Worlds podcast brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Savages. Here are your hosts, Chris Savage Mummy Fox and Christopher Savage Bull Landau. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode zero of the Savage Cast, the Savage Worlds podcast. I'm Chris Savage Mommy Fox. And I'm Chris Savage Bull Landauer. And uh, we're here just to uh, give you guys some introductions, tell you what the new Savage cast is going to be all about. I think we'll get right down to it. So Chris, Fox, tell me, how did you get into gaming? It's kind of an interesting story. So I was running a before and after school daycare, and I was also in Big Brothers. Nice. Uh, I'd never played, had never gamed before, and my little brother at the time uh, came up to me and said, Hey, do you know anybody who plays D&D? And I'm like, D&D? And that, 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 like that geek game? I'm like, well, yeah, one of my employees, she was actually an assistant manager at the daycare. She played and she was running a game. And I, you know, went into her one day and said, Hey, you know, I've got my little brother who's really into this whole D&D thing. And uh, can we come and sit in, play a game? She was all over it, said yes, love to have us come in and play, came in, played the first game, and no lie, hooked immediately. I've been playing with the same group of folks, two or three core, same group of folks. We've had a lot of people coming in, but there's two or three of the core group that I started with 25 years ago. Nice. And we still play. That's my how I got into gaming story. I, it was actually pretty cool. Um, you know, we had some epic games. I had a lot of fun. And it's a hobby that I fell in love with from the get-go and just have not looked back. Random question. Do you still keep in touch with your little brother from the program? Actually, no. He was an Air Force brat. And uh, it was uh, uh, his mother, him and his little brother. She got sent to a different post. Never saw him or heard from him again. Man, what the like? Dig that kid up. See if yeah, still it was it was kind of a kind of cool. So, where are they now? Same question back to you. How'd you get into gaming? I was in middle school. My parents moved. I mean, we're still from I'm from Colorado. We had moved neighborhoods, and so I was in a, a brand new school system. I, I started out in like private Catholic schools, and I was in a, a public school. Oh my god! And, uh, wait, stop right there. So you went to Catholic school? Oh yeah. But you're a gamer. Oh, absolutely. Like, not a hardcore religion. I mean, I was the kid in religion class who was taught by Sister Delarosa, who was like, how can you prove any of this stuff? And so I, I always just get the worst grades because I was like the, the devil's advocate, the total skeptic. And we moved. No, I didn't get kicked out. But um, we moved and I was, uh, had the choice between like a, another private school or a public school. And the actual the public school and the place we moved to was um, a better school, had more, you know, better science program, better language. And um, But I didn't have any friends. So, what, sixth, seventh, eighth grade? So, sixth grade, I was in like the GT class, and there were like three guys who were also in the GT class Tim, Nick, and Reese, and they all played D&D. And so they invited me to their D&D game. And at this point, it was like AD&D. I played a Maldron the Magnificent, who was a wizard. Since I was just into the game, and they already had a campaign going, I'm like, like, make a character. I'm like, I don't know how to make a character. I didn't know anything. I didn't even own the books. What do you mean? Yeah, I, I do not know how to do this. So I basically copied Reese's character. So we both have the exact same character, basically. And um, twinsies. Yeah, I know. It was a really bad idea. But again, I didn't know at the time. And being a, a new player, it was a total munchkin. So Reese and I both had basically the same character, and we both had staffs of the Magi. And we were like third level. 
So we were like, it was way Monty Hall game. I mean, way too much power, way too low level. But, um, and since we were, you know, competitive about it, not, neither of us used our staffs of the Magi because that would mean that he had 30 charges and I had 29. Therefore, his was better. So oh, the, uh, I've grown since then. Thank God. Um, no longer play much D&D. After high school, well, in high school, those guys all decided to like go the marijuana route. And they had much more fun tripping their brains off there. Um, so I you know, lost touch with my old game group. Tried to get into gaming in college, and they were playing stuff that was just weird and out there. Oh, vampire um, and werewolf. Yeah, and like Exalted. And so that was just such a different thing from my experience. Like, I don't understand this game. And they were kind of more into LARPing than they were to like tabletop. And I'm like, I'm not comfortable doing this. So I didn't really find – didn't get back to gaming until after college. I found the Denver GURPS group. And a guy, Brian McCabe, was, was heading up and I got into GURPS. And GURPS was a kind of an awesome system because it was not just fantasy. It was you could do any setting. Through the GURPS group, it led us to Savage Worlds because they're both not just anchored to one setting. So that would be my next question for you. Like how did you get into Savage Worlds? So started listening to some podcasts, Games the Thing and Fear the Boot. And they were talking about the game, and at this point, I was running 3-5. I was running the Age of Worms Adventure Path, and we were about halfway through. I was running it for a kids group, and I'm still running for the kids, as I make air quotes, because they're all in college now. Uh, we've been I've been running for the, this group for quite some time. And just got started listening. I was listening to these podcasts and Games of Thing was talking about Savage Worlds and Fear the Boots started talking about Savage Worlds. And I'm like, well, what is this? And they said, it's a $10 rule book. And that right there kind of grabbed my attention. A $10 rule book. Okay, I'm paying, you know, 30 bucks, I think, at the time for three five. So I went, picked up the rule book. Listen to more podcasts, continued, continued to listen to them, and just immediately got enamored with the system and was looking, looking over things. And I think within a couple weeks of, of my first kind of read through the book, I went to that group and said, well, guys, uh, we're not going to play D&D anymore. We're going to still play the same game. We're still going to play Age of Worms, but we're going to try a new system. And we're going to go to this thing called Savage Worlds. And they were like, okay. They were young. It was easy for them to try switching systems and things. They didn't really care. They were like, okay, fine. So we kind of looked at characters and things and uh, finally got it kind of figured out how we were going to convert it. Uh, and that's something we may talk about in an episode is converting settings. I know um, that we, we talked about this in the past on the other show, but uh, we may talk about it again because you don't really want to convert a setting. But we kind of just went that way, and I really haven't looked back. It's my favorite setting. It's my go-to setting. Uh, I do play other things. Uh, I'm playing in the Cypher system right now. Uh, we play 5e, I, I, Edge of the Empire. So it's not the only thing I play. But it's my favorite game to run and my favorite thing to play. And, uh, you know, just the community is phenomenal. Shane, Clint, those guys are all phenomenal people. And so I just, you know, I, I never looked back from it once I embraced it. And $10 rule book, once we knew we were going to go into it, I bought all six of my players a copy of the book. Yeah, it's excellent. That and way. brought them the next game, put them on the table and said, here you go, guys. Here's your copy of the book. And basically for 60 bucks, I got all of them. And like I said, some of them I still run for to this day. And we still, right now we're playing Last Parsec. 
Nice. Brand so, new system. Love it. Yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah. The, so uh, what's your Savage World story? So, you know, we're um, in the GURPS group and, and the it, – it's hilarious. When I was a kid, like the D&D scare fest was going on. Some kid at college offed himself in the steam tunnels in like Michigan. And so then it became, oh, you can't let your kids – you know, this is Satan worship and the kids are going to all become depressives and stuff like that. So, I mean, I had – my parents let me watch HBO as a kid, but I couldn't watch the D&D cartoon. It was like the, like the one thing that was off limits, right? So of course I doubled down. Like I, I bought all the D and D books. I bought the settings. I had like every Alcadim thing published ever, which got me into trouble when I was working for the governor's office just pre nine eleven. Actually, I'll tell that story some other time. So I doubled down on the D and D, but I, I didn't get to play as much as I wanted because yeah, I, I really when I was a little kid, I was reading through like the Arabian Nights, and that's how I got into like the buying all of the Alcadim because it was kind of the closest thing you could you could get to. But it never really felt right playing or running Arabian Nights with elves and fairies and dwarfs. I mean, it just seemed like too much of a crossover for me. I really wanted to play straight up uh, Arabian Nights. And that's when I found at one of the game stores that's no, no longer here, um, a Tactics. They had GURPS and they had the Arabian Nights book. And uh, so I just removed my hat, placed it over my poor Tactics. Yeah, and the other place we used to shop at was Bonnie Bray Hobbies. Well, and, and they, they literally it used to be in Bonnie Bray, then it moved, and now they're out of business, and now it's sad. And another, another one of them, my gaming store temples has closed. But they had the GURPS settings books. And so that's when I got into the GURPS groups. And the, the guys who were in the GURPS groups would come to the conventions. We tried running GURPS at the conventions, and it was just a, such a small segment of popularity. Rarely would get a game off. And so we'd, we'd do all the planning, show up and be like, well, the three of us who were trying to run games are also the only ones signed up for our games. And we saw at the conventions, there's this really healthy Savage Worlds community. And so we started signing up for Savage Worlds games and just fell in love. You know, the similarities between the two systems are you can run pretty much anything in the systems. They're generic, but that's not a knock. You know, that's not a detriment. It's actually an advantage. And the community here is just awesome. I mean, Chris Fox had already started the, you know, Rocky Mountain Savages, and you guys put on quality games, some really great GMs. So I came into Savage Worlds as a fanatic player, signed up for, you know, filled my schedule with Savage Worlds games. And it also helped me become a better GM. It's, it's hard to GM a, a, a rules-heavy, clunky system. Oh, most definitely. And Especially at a convention. Yeah. When you got time, your time frame is limited. You know, you've got three hours to tell a, tell a good story. Clunkiness does not work. In a three-hour time block. Yeah, and Savage Worlds just excels there. I mean, you can get – I mean, you know, in GURPS, it'd be – I'll give you the story. I give you great characters, but we're going to get through a combat and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, Savage Worlds, you can get through three or four combats, three or four talky scenes, some random divigation that people want to go off on. You can fit all it in, all of that in in a four-hour slot and have, you know, give people a complete experience. And really, to me, it's kind of you know the only system that really excels at that. So that's how I got into it. So speaking of the fact that we've got Savage Worlds, it's got so many different settings. What is your favorite Savage Worlds setting? I would have to say probably Deadlands. Nice. Uh, I, I've run Deadlands the most. I've run through the Flood with that same kids group. I'm also running the Flood right now for another group. I've run Deadlands Noir. I ran some Hell on Earth at a convention. I think I would have to say Deadlands. There's so many out there, though, so many good settings and settings that I really enjoy. I'm pretty much willing to take a look at most settings. I mean, like anything, not all settings are going to work for all people. You know, there's settings out there that I don't really, you know, I probably would never run, wouldn't really, wouldn't care to run. But overall, you know, there's so much out there that anybody 
can find something that they're going to love setting wise. Yeah, and that, you know, my answer to the question is is. I, I love the fact that you're not setting dependent. I mean, I know it's kind of a non-answer, but I like how the game plays. I like how it's fast. I like how it's easy to GM. It's rules light enough, but it's not so out there and trippy where there's just no guidance. You know, there are some systems that are, they have a great concept, but there, it just feels like you're, you're kind of dangling. Like, um, I, I've played in some really amazing unknown armies games, but the GMs, really had to bring so much structure back to the table with those games. Whereas Savage Worlds has got the, the right amount of crunch. It models things well in the sense that it serves the story, not serving mechanics. Um, I like the mechanics. I love the bennies. Bennies are fun. Um, I don't think I'd ever play another system again without trying to incorporate the Benny mechanic. Yes, there's some advantage, there's some niceness in some games where failure has consequences, but I think you can still do that in Savage Worlds. You can always choose not to spend the Benny, choose to fail. Sure. Um, well, and there's enough setting rules that you can set, you can put these on top of that core rules. So if you really want that, use uh, critical failures. No, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't bend out of double ones. Yeah. That right there can really help with that. You know, one of the other things that kind of I thought was really cool the first time I saw it and heard people talking about the system and some people again like it, some people don't. I think it's really cool is I love the card based initiative system. And it's, it's kind of out there. I mean, when you read it, it doesn't, it doesn't read well. It's like, Cards initiative, especially when you're coming from systems where I mean, like D and D and GURPS, it's very predetermined, right? And you can game the hell out of it. You know, you can, you know, in GURPS, you can be like one tenth of a point lower than everybody else in your group, and still get to go first all the time. Or in D and D, there's a lot of mechanics where yeah, you get to go first. And you know, when you look at Savage Worlds, like you can't guarantee when you're going. And then, uh, is it really that random? Right. But you, you know, there's certain edges. I was about to say, that, there's a few edges that yeah. can, you can use to tweak that. And it's but. fun. They make it where you have a better chance of going when you want to go. But it's not determined. So exactly. yeah. there's a, there's buy-in to when you get to go, and there's strategy there. Which before I always felt in other systems that are a little more determined, and like it's only you know so the enemy will show up some point in your group as you're going down your group sheet. When you get when you have that predetermined setting, you kind of fall into the same tactics. Whereas Savage Worlds, being the the, the card system, one it's faster, uh, even faster I would say than predetermined in the sense that. Everyone's paying attention when the cards come out. And there's not a lot of figure. You don't have to worry about, you know, a lot of math. It's boom, the cards, cards go in order. Let's go. Um, I like it. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that it, it, I, I, I'm not as wed to the card initiative as I am Benny mechanics, but it, it plays so nicely. Right. And it, it keeps people on their toes. It's, I like the mechanic. I like the, I like not only the individual mechanics and the edges, I love the leadership edges, allow you to kind of play with those. So it's fun. I, I dig that mechanic. So I think our, our really last part of our introductions, because you have to end the introductions with this part, is okay. these two nicknames we have. Yes. How did, how how did, did Chris Fox happen? become Savage Mommy? Chris Fox, yes. A, a guy is called the Savage Mommy. So let me throw this story out real fast. Started the Rocky Mountain Savages, started coming to the conventions, and after, I think it was the second or third convention that... The group was really up and running. Uh, Ron and Veronica Blessing uh, were living in Colorado at the time from the Games of the Thing. And Veronica had posted something on Facebook saying something to the effect of, you know, I want to thank Chris 
you know, he's kind of like everybody's mommy. He's running around the convention. He's making sure people have what they need. Do you need a judge's sheet? Do you need minis? Do you need dice? What do you need? And what can I do to help you out? And she said, yeah, he's kind of like a savage mommy. And so I come back, comment right underneath that, eh, savage mommy, I don't know about that. I'm like, how about General Savage or the Savage General or something like that? Immediately, about 10 people posted, yep, he's the Savage Mommy. Savage Mommy it is. And at that point, it was like, okay, embrace it, run with it, and don't look back. I have an apron that says Savage Mommy. Which is awesome. I actually had somebody walk up to me at Gen Con two or three years ago. Saw my name tag that said Chris Fox, and he didn't say, are you Chris Fox? He goes, oh, you're the Savage Mommy. Yep, yep, that's me. So, you know, it's people still look at me and go, wow, that's kind of weird. But I'm like, hey, you know what? Embrace it. Go with it. So I haven't looked back. I have T-shirts. I have bowling shirts that I bought from Pinnacle. They're all monogrammed with Savage Mommy. I have, you know, uh, a Rocky Mountain Savages baseball cap that has Savage Mommy on it. So, you know, I just took it and I ran with it and I haven't looked back. Yeah, I think owning it's good. And, you know, it, it's a unique name. Um, you will be the only Savage Mommy. I mean, anybody else can try to, you know, rein in on uh – a bravado sounding name, but I think it's great. I mean, I think you've really built something here with the Rocky Mountain Savages. So I think it's an awesome name, which comes to my name. Here's the thing. So I had a moniker for a bit. There was, I was a bit uncomfortable with because it was a bit too much. One of the the guys who's running the conventions before, after I stepped up and started helping out with the Savages, kind of on the ground operations kind of stuff, getting stuff, getting games submitted, getting up a website, just kind of, you know, the background engineering stuff. One of the convention guys says, we should, you're really like the game operations director, the G.O.D. So for a while there, people were calling me Savage God, which I don't think I earned in the sense that, you know, when you put Savage on it, you almost have to be a god of the game. And I definitely have not attained that level of awesomeness. I mean, that's kind of reserved for people who are founding members of the, the system. That's a Shane level kind of, you know, name. So I was never really comfortable with that one. And after this last year, I mean, we've had a lot of, of growth and with growth comes some growing pains. And, you know, we've, we've definitely made an omelet this last year. We had to break some eggs. Someone called me a bully. And I was like, really? Am I, a, am I a bully or am I really just standing up for, you know, what, what needs to get done to help everybody out. We needed to separate the weed from the chaff a little bit. And part of that was, was being a little headstrong. And so I shortened Savage Bully to Savage Bull. And I kind of like it. It's, you know, bulls are about raising the markets. Bulls are about fertility. Bulls are about power. So I, I think... Tenacious. Yeah, it's tenacious. And it's kind of a positive thing. So, you know, bully's a little bit immature. It was, it was funny being called that. But I, I own the idea that, you know, I will be the guy to push forward, get stuff done, grow the community. And if that means, you know, stepping on some toes of some delicates, that's fine. You know, some people need to, to have their, their world shaken. So they, uh, that's why I'm the savage bull. See, uh, I'm the anti-conflict guy. I'm not much for conflict. You're the good cop. So I let Chris, there you go. I'm the good cop. I let Chris be the bad cop. So that's it, it. And it's worked. It's worked out for both of us. The Rocky Mountain Savages are in a, in a great place. We're going even, even to a better place, uh, as time goes forward. So let's talk a little bit about what this show is going to be about. What is the Savage cast? What are our hopes? What do we want to do uh, going forward? And what do people have to look forward to? Yeah, we want to bring you kind of a real diverse show. We don't want to be just one thing. We, we, we want to be kind of a mosaic of 
all that's going on in the Savage Realms. So, you know, one, Savage World is all about fast, furious, fun. So we want to help you be faster, funner, and furier, sir. But, <laughs> you made a new word. There we go. Furious, sir. Yeah. The uh, Savage English Mangler. That'll be my new, new nickname. So, you know, one thing we, we want to bring you, like, the you know, cutting edge on the Savage News. We want to bring you guys... Um, what's going on in the Savage Worlds, what settings are coming up, keeping you on top of, of all the great things that Pinnacle and all of the other licensees are doing. And there are people who are doing so much. I mean, I think there's kind of a real revolution now. And um, we will, yes, we will talk about Kickstarters. I know sometimes people are like, well, I don't, why, why are you talking about all these Kickstarters? I think it's important. I think it's important to talk about Kickstarters. It's important to let people at least know they're out there so that they can go out and look at the merit of the Kickstarter and make up their mind whether that's something they want to give their money to. There have been a lot so. of good ones with Savage Worlds. I mean, I, I think this, where the setting is in the industry is, is a neat place, I think, as a player because you can actually reach out and talk with the people who are publishing these games. They're not a name that's so far removed. I mean, they will show up to conventions. They are out there. I think it's a real sweet spot between big publishing house kind of corporate anonymity and on the other end of the scale, I mean, Pinnacle doesn't bomb on their publications. You're not risking exactly. your paycheck, you know, by a fly-by-night. People who are going to promise stuff and not deliver. So I think they're at a really good spot there. So, you know, we, we hope to bring you the Kickstarters, and not just as an advertisement, but also we want to bring you content from the creators, get, get in their minds, you know, get, get behind, you know, why they're doing what they're doing, not just here's a little, you know, 10-second news release. You know, we want to give you a little bit more. We'll do the normal thing, too. Talk about questions that people have about rules. Uh, we'll talk about GM tips. Player tips. Uh, player tips. Things like that. Those will all be in. Uh, we want to do, like Chris said, we want to do some interviews. Interviews of content creators. Interviews with, you know, Shane and Clint and, and anyone else who's out there who has something that they've either already put out or that they're getting ready to put out. So look for some interviews. Yeah, and Savage Worlds, by being not just a great rule system, but having so many licensed products, so many different settings and worlds, um, we want to bring you some some features where we talk to those world builders, those setting creators, and delve deeper into their settings besides just the the elevator pitch and get into the you know why they chose to you know make the decisions they did. And, and that's uh, one I'm really excited about. I'm really excited to talk to some of these folks and and go deeper into how they chose Savage Worlds, how they come up with settings and things like that. So I'm I'm really pretty excited about that one. Another thing I'm excited about is that Chris and I have talked about this, and we have every intention of bringing you actual plays. Yeah, not only just games that we're running, but also you know, we've got a, a great host of local GMs here that are just fantastic. And so we want to bring you kind of, you know, into their games, get a flavor of how other people run the setting, run the systems. I think we're running more Savage Worlds here in Colorado than they run anywhere else in the country, anywhere else in the world, more than Gen Con. And so we want to bring that to you guys. So hopefully you'll get a taste of how Chris and I run our games um, and learn to run them better, as well as how some of our, you know, stalwart GMs and our guests. I mean, we bring in, coming up here pretty soon, we've got um, Clint and Jody Black are going to become running games for us. Uh, we'll bring you Shane running games. We'll bring you Sean Patrick Fannin running games. You name it. We'll try to get you guys into some tables, see some actual plays, and uh, see what kind of quality we can pull out of that. So let me tell you what one thing that we're not going to be. We're not Colorado-centric. We're not Rocky Mountain Savages-centric. So I want everybody to know that. This is, this is the Savage cast. 
Yes, we're here in Colorado. Yes, we have an organization that we run, but we're going to be the savage cast. So having said that, if you have conventions that you're running, if you have anything that you'd like us to get out to, we'll call it the Savage Nation for, you know, uh, for right now. So let us know because we want to make sure that we have engagement with our audience because there's only so many ideas that Chris and I are going to be able to come up with and having the audience and having listeners out there tell us, hey, I have this question or I have this idea for a show. That's going to be extremely helpful and useful to us because that way we're, we know what you what, what everybody wants. We know what you want as listeners and we want to give you what you want as listeners. And having said that, there's going to be plenty of ways to get in touch with us. We're getting our email set up right now. We have right now just the very basics, basic skeleton of a Facebook and a G plus page. I've created both of those. Um, I'll be working on getting our Twitter page created. At some point, I would very much like to have a voicemail phone number. Uh, so people can call in and we can play your voicemails. Uh, we can play your GM tips or your player tips at the end of the show. So things like that are going to be coming. So there'll be plenty of ways to interact with us. So please, by all means, use those. Uh, the show is going to be up on iTunes. Uh, so you'll be able to find us on iTunes. You'll be able to find us at savagecast.com. So there's going to be... Uh, should be no problem getting in touch with us, and uh, that's really, really what we want. So, Chris, anything before we close this out and uh, get ready to uh, talk to a special guest that we're going to have kind of here for the end of our episode zero? I've listened to a lot of episode zeros, and not many of them have a guest already. I know we're special, so we're gonna we're gonna have a guest here in a few minutes uh, to for the end of our uh, episode zero, and yes. It is going to be a little bit uh, talking about a convention here in Denver, but I think you'll uh, it'll be worth a listen. So, anything else before we close out? No, the um, stick around. Like we'll uh, we'll edit in once we get all the email, Facebook, G plus, and Twitter addresses finalized. Um, we'll edit that into right here in the podcast. Yep. And uh, our webpage is savagecast.com, so you can find us and all our information there. And yeah, just we encourage you guys to reach out, send us emails, send us recordings um, you guys make, and we'll put we'll splice you into the show. Um, we want this to be a show that represents Savage Worlds and a greater role-playing community you know, and for people who share our passion for this game. So. Let us know how we're doing. This is, I can't say new to us because I've been, I was, I've been doing this for a while and been doing the other show, but it's new to us trying to do our own thing. Yeah, we're graduating out. We're, we're moving out of that parent's basement of yeah. podcasting. And so we kind of want to, we kind of want to know, are there things that we can do better? Are there things that we can, we can improve on? So uh, let us know and keep in touch with us and, here in just uh, in just a second, we're going to actually have a special guest on, and episode one of Savage Cast should be coming shortly after President's Day weekend next weekend. Uh, we should be able to have the show up within about a week or so. So I would say by the end of this month, you all should see episode one. And uh, oh, one other thing. Now that I'm thinking about it, our plan right now is the Savage Cast itself. Uh, at least once a month. 
And then we may pepper in some of these uh, interviews if we get them in between times or the actual plays and things like that. But our, our plan is the Savage Cast itself once a month at least. So uh, that's a promise that I'm going to make to all of you is that there will be a Savage Cast at least once a month. You can count on it. Awesome. So stick around. We'll uh, bring you in a few short seconds an interview with Matt Rowles. He's the guy who owns Genghis Khan and Tacticon, the two largest conventions in Denver. Coming up here next week, we will be launching Genghis Khan 2016, which will be the largest Savage Worlds convention in history. So stay tuned for that. So joining us now is Matt Rowles, owner of Genghis Khan and Tacticon, the two largest RPG and oldest RPG conventions in the Rocky Mountain region and for hundreds of miles in any direction. Pretty much. <laughs> Welcome, Matt. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So, Matt, tell us, how did you get into conventions? Believe it or not, conventions, uh, I originally went to my first ever convention, which was Wizard World Austin. And uh, I just fell in love with the concept of having a bunch of geeks who all could geek out in the same place. And so I signed on to a convention called IkiCon in Austin, Texas. It's a terrible name for an anime convention, but that's Not the name that they of care it. what anybody thinks. No, no, they don't. Lord knows they don't. But <laughs> it's Texas. <laughs> it's anime. Between the two, right? All right, or- episode zero, and no one in Texas is ever going to listen to us again. <laughs> I've done it. Anyway, I signed on to become dance manager because I'm a DJ in my professional life. But the the weird thing was within two days, I was promoted from dance manager to day events manager because the day events manager had quit. Then three days after that, I found out that the night events manager turned out to be a brony who uh, couldn't remember his name because he was stoned out of his mind. So brony. they eliminated him <laughs> and I became events manager. Then a week after that, the uh, I became assistant programming director because the programming director quit. And then a week before the convention, the programming director quit, and I became programming director. And I had to rebuild that convention, top to bottom, panels, gaming, events, everything, in a week. Sounds like the quickest promotional, quickest <laughs> rise up a ladder that I've ever heard of. Well, a little like Game of Thrones thrown in there, <laughs> Very. Too, you know? uh, now, how many people did you personally poison and off for believe this. it or not i never met anybody above me i just never <laughs> they just kept quitting they and- just kept like what whoever was up at the top gunning for this position must have accidentally like harry carried themselves um because don't, that's you know don't believe him his other business is is djing weddings and we all know what happens with weddings and fantasy books right it's you true know? <sighs> yeah yeah but Why? um Why? at that time i got it was a seven thousand person convention so i i literally had a trial by fire But the one thing I realized more than anything else was as long as you really cared about your community and really put your heart and soul and showed them that, the con would be successful. And um, so I stuck with that for about two years and I realized that anime cons just weren't really my shtick. I then did some comic cons out in California. And then I, I came here to Colorado. I first started tabletop gaming. I had never tabletop gamed in my life up until three years ago where I was at uh, Malcon, you know, which is Myth and Legends Con, and I happened to encounter a guy by the name of Sean Gore, uh, who was running Shintar at that time. Yes, Savage World. Yes. And uh, I had always had tabletop gaming as part of my gaming rooms, and I knew how essential it was to a con success 
but I'd never tried it. So for the first time, I was actually able to go to a convention where I wasn't running it. And I wasn't involved with staff or having to do anything. So I was like, you know what? I should really learn about this. So I sat down and I was like, hey, I'm going to watch. And Sean, much like most Savage Worlds GMs I've ever encountered, Sean's like, no, no, you don't watch. You do. You're going to play. Have <laughs> so, a character. So gives me the character sheet. And uh, that's where my first ever RPG character was born, Sarcastic Scales. Nice. <laughs> and you and you started out with Savage Worlds. I did, and you came back. You experienced <laughs> Shintar, and you're still here. Yeah, nice way to go. Well, the Savage Worlds system is just one of the. It's probably one of the easiest systems to really learn, but it's still a system that the deeper you go, the cooler it gets. And that's probably one of the more enjoyable things about it. Like you can start out and just be a beginner, never played a tabletop in your life, and you can really understand. The Savage Worlds rule system. I've always said that Savage Worlds is simple elegance. Yeah. Yes. It looks simple when you first look at it, but when you dig into it, there's not a lot to it, but there's a lot to it. It's not overly difficult, but there's, there, there's enough meat there to the game. Yeah. And then the the mechanics and the math have to work right. Like, I remember my calculus teacher was always like looking, look for the elegant solution and getting to the elegant solution requires so much ugliness before you get there. I think Savage World is kind of the same way. I mean, if you just accept it for what it is, it runs well, but realizing like why the mechanics run the way they do, why the probabilities come out the way they do. Um, there's a lot of thought there that works well that you might not appreciate if you don't have to think about it. It's like, you know, don't think about how the sausage is made. Just enjoy the sausage sandwich, right? Yeah. So you came to Malcon, you played. Yep. And so kind of what was that evolution into where we are today sitting here in the hotel that's going to host a possibly 2,000-person convention over President's Day weekend? So basically, from there, I actually joined Sean's home game. So I actually got to do like an elongated campaign, really started enjoying that. And so then, Savage Worlds is to blame for all of it. Yeah. And then at the time, they're like, you know what? The penultimate event to go to is Genghis Khan. So I go to Genghis Khan. I had an amazing time because it's just, you know, gaming with friends. You get to meet new people. And it's just, it's just an experience. But being the person who had also run conventions, I also saw it needed help. And at first, like, they really didn't want to talk to me. Because the previous organization, the Denver Gamers Association, many people would term them as insular. As long as you were within their circle, they would definitely communicate with you. But the harder part was trying to make them understand that they might have a problem. Because they kept ignoring calls for the big three. And the big three problems that everybody always called for was a new reg system, website, and clarity on you know gaming positions. Originally, they weren't really open to talking to me, but then I found out that they lost Pathfinder back in Genghis Khan 2014. They had completely lost them, and that is that is a huge shock because in this area, as you guys know, the big three RPG systems are Savage Worlds, Dungeons & Dragons, and Pathfinder. And so losing one of those, that's a third of the RPG world just walking away, which is a huge shock. So... Basically, I went to them and said, hey, I'm a person who likes to communicate. I'm somebody who likes to work with people. I can definitely assist you in trying to negotiate some kind of a peace agreement here so we can bring them back. And while that did not work, I realized how much the old organization really just wanted to 
quit. And I was like, you know what? I could really do something with this convention. I care about gaming. I think it's a lot of fun. So I offered up my abilities and I was like, look, I'll take it over and uh, I'll run it from here on out. There was definitely some uh, other interested parties going on. There was growing some- pains are hard for everybody, right? I yeah. Mean- yeah. It's it, been a fun year. We made a lot of omelets, broke a lot of eggs. We did. We did. But the end result was I was able to take it over. And then after that vote, it was really just proving myself. You know, getting to this point where we are with Genghis, where it's kind of back to where its excitement level was, was really just putting on a quality tacticon. And so all I did was just take the recipe of the three biggest grumbles, which was I found a new reg system, which is actually the reg system used by Gen Con. So we do that. Then I built a website. It wasn't the greatest website in the world, but it had information on it, which was a huge change. And it's improved. Yes. And it's improved since Tacticon. <laughs> and then the third one was just the accountability with the groups. And so that's why we implemented systems like the, uh, you know, the GM reimbursement program, being able to show GMs not only like just how many numbers they have, but the actual names of the players before they even go. I mean, the system was really bringing out what the RPG community had been asking for for so long. And uh, Tacticon turned out to be a great success. You know, we had some uh, we had some stumbles here and there, but we're trying new things. And that's kind of the important thing because the cons have to continually evolve. Actually, Tacticon, for the first time in 10 years, was the first time that the average age of the convention actually went down, which was important because... Uh, yeah, get those young gamers in here and those those, those young folks in here to... to Grow our hobby. Yes. And it, it, it was kind of sad when you, when you see in regular pop culture, general, like normal people culture, things like Catan are big now and D&D is cool again. And, you know, and not seeing that vitality come into the cons, it's great that we're finally, you know, recapturing that younger players, younger GMs, more diversity in gaming. And isn't the name of your convention? Like you, your company is called Evolve Cons. Right? Yes. There we go. Evolution so, Convention. Evolution yes. is good. And so we always wanted to continually grow everything. And, and I hope that this year, like Genghis Khan, I think we've grown quite a bit. Uh, well, everybody's back now, right? Yeah, everybody's back. Pathfinder so Pathfinder's is back. Pathfinder D&D's returned. Savage Worlds. We are hosting the largest Savage Worlds convention ever in the history of mankind. Yeah, we have, we have what, a hundred, at least a hundred games Over scheduled. A hundred games. Yeah, schedule. We made sure we, we, you know, we, we, we think we've been running the number one savage number games anywhere for a couple of years now, but to put our stamp on it, we wanted to make sure that we hosted a hundred different events in one weekend. Uh, and we are going to do it. I we believe, it Frank, in. last time – now, I know you submitted a few more about a week ago, but I think we were at 103. Nice. Savage Worlds games. Savage Worlds games, yeah. and we were still waiting on a few. So. 18, 18 to 20 table Savage Saturday night. Yes. I mean uh, – Friday night bar fight. Yeah, Friday, Friday night bar fight. Bar, bar fight where we're going to run – we're going to run games in the hotel bar, which is crazy. They're going to let us run games in the bar. They they ran a game last convention in the bar, and it went over so well that the, they, they're letting us do it again. Shane Hensley attended and approved. It, it's a little crazy. I don't know. Maybe It was an archer game. It kind of had to be done. Right? Maybe the, hotel, maybe the hotel doesn't know what, they, what they're, what they're getting archer. themselves into. Well, on. at the same time, now, I do want to let everybody know, due to last convention, that we now have at least four different things of cider. To make sure that we, we drank them out of cider. Yeah, we drank Thursday them out of cider night last, last time. time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that. What other great things are you bring? So we, we've got, I mean, RPGs are holding this con down. Oh, yeah. What other cool stuff are you bring in? Like, what about the young, young kids? What For the young kids, we have, well, 
Let's go ahead and start out. The Dungeon Crawl. Nice. Uh, this time, live-action role-playing Dungeon Crawl featuring things like this type. This year is all sci-fi. So we have Star Wars, Star Trek, Tron, Aliens, Predator. Like, all of those kinds of things are all going to be featured over there in this Dungeon Crawl adventure. Additionally, we also brought in the Gen Con board game library yet again. 1,800 titles from Gen Con itself. 167,000-person gaming convention out in Indianapolis. And it was allowing their board game library to come to us. They don't do that for very many people. No, uh, they're fantastic. We had to like ho- you know, hold hostage some some people. Well, we had back. we had to, we definitely had to like tell some really good jokes. <laughs> Additionally, on top of that, we have uh, collectible card games: Magic: The Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, My Little Pony collectible card game. Uh, we, the Artemis is back. Uh, Artemis Bridge. Everybody loves the Artemis. Uh, no, and something that's back that I that was gone from the cons for a really really long time before TagCon that you you brought back and turned out to be a, a great hit was cosplay. Yeah. There was no cosplay for years and years and years at, at any uh, of the conventions up here. And so what, what made you decide you wanted to bring that back? Well, the thing is, is that cosplay is supplementary to the gaming experience. Everybody has their own character and they've made them, but sometimes people just want to be them. I never understood why they didn't really like costumes because one of the things about our cosplay contest is we allow original characters because you work on a Savage Worlds character, you create him, you understand who he is, and then you're like, you know what? I want to dress up like him. That's great. We should experience that because that adds more elements to the game. And really, you know, the one thing I've learned about RPGs is everybody always wants to have additional elements going on. Yeah, it's fun. Like, I, I remember when you first announced cosplay, there were like two or three lone voices who were like, oh my god, you're going to ruin the convention with having cosplay. And the coolest thing was I had a couple games I was GMing where the people showed up in costume and played in the games. It was fun. I mean, it was more about community building than it was this kind of insular, keep everybody in their own place. We can't have your flavor of fun and our flavor of fun. Yeah. And I thought it was great. I thought it was... You know, I remember around like Saturday night, a bunch of cosplayers came from a different convention because we were having more fun on here oh, and they all showed up and so I know I know we got to wrap this up uh, we actually have a meeting that we that all of us have to get to here uh, mm-hmm. for the convention so anything uh, to wrap up well, that you'd like, that you'd like people to know let's go ahead and announce I would love to go ahead and first announce some of our special guests I have the entire uh, Black family. I would, you know, Clint Black, Jody, their Bethany, two daughters, Bethany, Bethany and Trinity. They're running some kids games Friday and Saturday that for the high correct. schools that are coming in. Yep. And, and the great thing about them is that they were so eager. In fact, as soon as I contacted them, they bought their own plane tickets. Just like that. And then Shane Hensley, he's sneaking in again. We caught him again. Yeah, Shane, uh, we know where you live. So, uh, Shane Hensley, we also have Bill Keys, Ross Watson, Sean Patrick Fannin, Sarah Rodriguez. Riffs. Yes. Sarah Martinez, who's running, you know, six games worth of, uh, you know, Savage Worlds games, which is amazing, especially for a guest. Usually they like to run about three or four and then, you know, enjoy the convention. But Sarah's just wanting to run as much as she can, which is just awesome. She's the master behind behind our four-year ETU living campaign. Yes. Yeah, I'm helping her run it. She and I, she and I are running. I'm only running it twice. And if she's running it six times, man, more power to her. It's fantastic. <laughs> and then on top of that, if you're wondering if you should come to this convention or not, the one thing I have to ask is, are you somebody who wants to look or are you somebody who wants to do? Because my convention is designed to be a doing con. You're not going to be somebody who can just watch things. People are going to pull you into games. You're going to do a lot of stuff here. You know, we would love to see everybody come out. February 11th through 14th. Radisson Southeast in Aurora, Colorado. Genghis Khan in its 38th year of nice. existence. We are looking forward to having a banner year and would love to see everybody come out. 
Well, thank you again, Matt. I think it's going to be a great con. Thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to us. Again, episode one of the Savage Cast. Look for that towards the end of February. Thanks again, everyone, and stay savage. Stay savage.